welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. All right, off to the races. Trent Dressel, welcome to the Bronova Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, Thomas. Just ate some nice uh, uh, air-fried salmon, and I feel good to go. Nice. Nice, dude. How'd you, how'd you season it? Any kind of seasoning? Yeah, so what I do is I get the salmon, I cut off the skin, I put on this cilantro lime seasoning, I put some olive oil on it, and then I put it in the air fryer for 10 minutes, and I'm telling you, the texture is great. And, uh, both on the exterior and internally as well. So if you want to cook salmon, I would recommend using the air fryer. We're versatile in the kitchen, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. So for people who don't know you from your from your online content, you run a YouTube channel and it's a sales channel with nothing to sell you. And you're, you're building a community for high achieving people who are obsessed with what they do. And your speciality is software sales and you have built a career for yourself going from a lead generation role, which is called a business development or sales development representative, up to now the full cycle role where you're closing deals. And you've kind of leveraged your experience to make a lot of really valuable content for people who want to increase and get into the sales tech sales game. So for folks who aren't in that world, and you know, I'm in the Bay Area, so I'm 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 familiar with it, but I have listeners from all over the country. So how would you kind of describe this ecosystem you're operating in from a 30,000 foot level? Yeah. So I think the starting point, Thomas, for me was I always knew I wanted to do sales. And, and I know you have a large male audience and naturally guys are, are chasing prestige, status, money, uh, career advance, all, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm no different. So I wanted to get in a performance-based career. And, and I view that as the best vehicle to, to hopefully set myself up financially sooner rather than later. So I identified technology sales as, as one of the best vehicles along with perhaps investment banking, consulting, maybe engineering coding as well. So um, I, I said, hey, I'm not very technical, but I can talk to people. So I'll do sales. Completely lucked my way into software sales. Um, a friend in college said, I want to be an enterprise software sales rep. And I said, I don't exactly know what that means, but it sounds really cool. So my whole goal was to get a sales job in a big city outside of Ohio where I grew up in. So I lucked my way way into a fast-growing technology company. Um, at the time, 1,500 employees, now now about 6,000. So it's, it's cool to be a part of a company that's fast growth. And when you say ecosystem, that leads me to think fast growth, innovation, cutting edge. And that's really what you get in technology. And like you said, Right out of college, started out um, in sales development, business development, pretty much just doing pipeline generation and, and not to get too technical with it because don't know how much your audience cares about the nuance of sales, but um, <laughs> I've worked my way up been promoted multiple times. Um, and, and then I reached a point where I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making content, hopefully pulling people up with me as well. So I enjoy it. And um, yeah, it's just, just another day in the life. Awesome, man. Well, good on you, dude. Thank you for sharing that. I think Andrew Huberman, are you familiar with the Huberman Lab podcast? No, I'm not. Oh, it's fire. It's it's uh, especially in the health. He's a he's a neurology and ophthalmology PhD at Stanford and he has a ton of kind of optimization health optimization content and he describes it as zero cost to consumer information. And I feel like that's what you're doing too, which is which is awesome. 
So Ohio, to bring it back, you know, let's bring it all the way back to, to, to baby T, you know, what was your upbringing like and where were you in Ohio? (laughs) It's funny. I've never had anybody call me baby T. So it's funny. (laughs) It's funny you say that. I I think that could be a, a, a cool nickname, but yeah, I grew I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is which is the capital of the state. Um, it's 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 a nice place. You have the Four Seasons. Um, you have the everyone thinks of Ohio as the, the the Buckeyes in Columbus. That's really the big thing, college football. And I I had a good upbringing, and I I went to Ohio University, which is an hour south of Columbus in Athens, Ohio. And I felt like most of the people I knew primarily moved to Columbus, maybe Cleveland, Cincinnati. Some people go to the Chicago's of the world. And I just said, look, I, I want to get outside of the state. So yeah, gr- grew up in a nice household, um, had a lot of fun in college. And yeah, I, I currently live in Dallas, by the way. So I, I don't want to jump around too much, but Ohio is a great place. It is not a flyover state for those of you that are thinking that not a flyover <laughs> state. You got to go at some point. Have you been to Ohio? I was born there. Mm-hmm. Really? Where, where yeah, I was born. I was born in Cincinnati and my parents are from Toledo. So we left when I was a baby, but I go back to Toledo just about every summer for a family reunion. So I, I, I know what's up with the, uh, Buckeye State, my first college, not my first college football game, but a great memory. I saw Ohio State and USC at the shoe with my cousin Mallory. It was, it was lights out. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So you know what Ohio is all about. The people are nice, um, and it's just it is it's yeah. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. They uh, swung swung over in uh, twenty twenty <laughs> politically. It's a it's a interesting like purple you know domestic politics like that whole region is is fascinating politically, but awesome, dude. So okay, I wanted to hone in on. Because I'm, I'm curious. I could talk to you about the kind of specifics of the sales stuff, but I think that for the wider audience listening, I wanted to ask you about the idea of putting yourself out there and making a brand out of yourself. Because I had a process of deciding to do this, where there is I experienced hesitation, maybe self consciousness. Do I want to put my name behind this publicly? So, what was the decision <laughs> the decision making process for you? to publicize your content and and make it out there for everyone? And what were the motivating factors? To preface me growing up, I was never one to post on Facebook. I I, I had a Facebook early on and you'd poke people, you'd, you'd have friends, whatever. Um, I was on Instagram doing all that stuff, would post occasionally, but I, I wasn't one that wanted the attention. I grew up saying, um, just, just let your actions speak for it, work hard, um, don't be seen. And, and and just and just and just go go with the flow. So I, I was never one to put myself out there because I was like, what what do I put out there? I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I reached a point early in my career where I I recognized that I need people to know who I am, and that will elevate my success. And specifically to my career in sales, mm-hmm. the thing I always like to say is is it does not matter if you are a top performer if nobody knows who you are. So I said. I want to blow up. I want to be really successful. I want to make a lot of money. And I recognize that money follows attention. And if you think about all the celebrities you follow or the sports you follow, whatever it may be, it really doesn't matter for your life. It gives you satisfaction, enjoyment to watch, observe. It's a, it's a break from, from what's going on in your life. But by you giving them attention, that's why they get paid so much money because your attention is monetized in the form of advertisements, whatever. Um, so I said, 
why keep reading the news when I can make the news? So I said, mm-hmm. I need to start making more attention. I need to start making noise. And, and I flipped a massive switch. And, and then I really started to put myself out there aggressively. So I started my content journey in 2020. It was, it, it was at the height of the pandemic. I had moved in by myself. So it was it was a big change moving in by myself, previously having roommates the last couple of years, not going anywhere, doing anything. So I said, I want to I want to make more money and number 2 I want to connect with other like-minded people and I also want to help people. So one of the easiest ways to do that is putting stuff out there on the internet. Yeah. So started yeah. a YouTube channel, now I'm on LinkedIn, now I'm on TikTok and I post a lot aggressively and I've been doing it for <laughs> almost 2 years now. Um and and you wouldn't believe just what's come from it in the form of relationships, personal satisfaction and it's elevated every aspect of my life and actually pushed me to become a better person as a result of it, believe it or not. Excellent. I definitely want to hear about that. And I saw in one of your videos, you talked about, in addition to the relative short ramp up to making good money for someone who's entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially minded and wants to have their own business, working in sales gives a ton of exposure to a lot of cross-functional teamwork and, and decision making. It actually sets people up, you know, to be business owners. So, for someone who's never had that connection or thought about it, what is the direct relationship between you know being in sales early in your career and then owning your own business later on? If you want to own a business, you will need to generate sales. It is the top line of any income statement. Is revenue, and that stands for sales, basically. So, I feel like there's there's this dilemma especially in tech, you you have these product focused people who are really smart, engineering, introverted per se, that, that's kind of the stigma around it. And then you have these extra, extroverted, boisterous salespeople, and, and you need both to, to, to really grow a business. Um, but you can't just make a great product and not have a sales strategy. So I, I didn't necessarily get into sales so that I could start a business, but I acknowledge that if one does want to start a business, there's not many better places than to start in sales because you need to be willing to go out of your way to contact people, to make an ask, and to be able to articulate yourself in a way that people can associate with, people understand your ideas, you can simplify things. And and you look at the oh, Warren Buffett, a legend, and they say, Warren, what is the best advice you have for young people? And he said, when I was young, I invested in a Dale Carnegie speaking course, and that's what changed everything. So communication is really one of his superpowers. And if you want to be a successful business person, you need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to communicate in anything. And, and here's the thing I will say, Thomas, everybody is in sales, whether they like it or not. Even if you don't have the title of sales, if you want to go see the new Spider-Man movie and you got to convince your girlfriend, hey, we're going to go to the Spider-Man movie tonight. You are selling her on that. You are selling your friends on what restaurant you want to go to. You are selling your colleagues that your ideas should be prioritized and budgeted for whatever it may be. So we are all in sales. We all have our own interest. Everyone has their their interests as well. So it's all about how how can you... And the feedback I got from someone recently is they said, Trent, what you do really well is you're able to convince other people that your ideas are their ideas and they think it's smart. So it, it's, <laughs> it's the, whole, the whole art of persuasion, it, it's, it's really important. It's never going away. And if you want to be successful, I, I think communication is one of the, the, the most important things you need to be good at. And if you're good at communicating, you'll be successful at sales and you'll make a lot of money in the process. Agreed. Well, I've actually, I got into a very similar way. I'm just a, a lifelong conversationalist and I love talking to people. And uh, actually my one of my 
uh, my CEO, his boss, we were hanging out and he's in sales too. And he said, you know, I asked him like, how did you get into sales? He's like, I have no hard skills. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. You don't, you don't need any harder technical skills. Everyone thinks working in tech, you need to be super, you need to build a code. You need to build, I can't even use Excel. I, I'm really not that great on a computer. I mean, yet you have the tricks, but I, but, but the thing is I'm still going to show up and run a product demo tomorrow and tell them it costs $50,000. And that, that's the reality of it. So it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a wild world we live in, but you have to be able to communicate and I mean, you have to have some hard skills, but I mean, I I digress. I digress. Yeah. I I think for me, it's, it's just consistency of follow-up and persistence, you know, with like drip emails basically, and just phone calls, you know, Keeping, I've said so many times with deals I've closed, it's just catching them at the right moment. You know, you call them up, maybe they haven't even talked for a week. You know, you don't have a good temperature check on, on where they are at all, but they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah, like, caught them in a good mood or the right day. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And it's like, cheers. And here's the thing about that, Thomas, going back to the attention piece. So the only reason they are going to take your meeting or buy your product is if they know who you are at its simplest form. They need to know who Thomas is. They need to know who your company is. And as a result, they will start to be more receptive to your messaging, your product, your service. So if you think about the leading brands in the world, it's because you know what Coca-Cola is. You are aware of what Netflix is. They have your attention. It all starts with the attention. And it's not just businesses. It's also individuals as well. So that plays into the whole tailwinds of why it is so important to have a brand. People need to know who you are if you do have aspirations of being more. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So obviously you're having great success in this phase of your career and you're going to, knowing what I know about you so far, you're going to you know be strategic about getting to a leadership position, perhaps having your own company. Looking forward to kind of the challenges of tomorrow, one of them would be inclusion and diversifying thought and identity at, the, at work. So have you kind of put pen to paper looking forward to that idea or even just as a smart person? You know, say you're in the driver's seat of a big corporation. There's public pressure, internal pressure, and maybe the you know the leadership team is aligned on. We need to diversify and increase our representation to be less white and less male. You know, if you're in the driver's seat, how would you go about that? I believe that diverse thought and perspective leads to better outcomes. So I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just about reaching a, a hiring quota of certain representation, although I do think that's important. I believe an idea meritocracy is is what I would do. So we, we want the best ideas to rise to the top. So we don't want to um, we don't want to rule anyone out for any factors. So my priority would be to bring in the smartest people, no matter what their name is, where they come from, what they look like, and, and solely reward people based on on merit. And that's personally what I like about my company. We we are an actively anti-racist company. We, we are very mindful about producing an inclusive environment, which I think is really important because that will start to attract that talent that otherwise would not have been drawn to it if that environment wasn't created. So it, it starts with the people and the culture. And I, I think that's really important just to foster that that community of, hey, we, we are inclusive. We we appreciate all ideas. We recognize that everyone should have their own opinion. Um, and that's important. And by creating that in the culture, um, it will naturally attract the, those people who come from those unique and diverse backgrounds. And, and ultimately, it's all about delivering the best outcomes. So I, I think diverse thought is important especially as, as a business, if you think about your your market, um, if you were if you just have a, a let's say a board of 
of 50 to 60 age white males, how are you supposed to build something that is going to truly bring value to 20 to 30 Latino population for females, for example. So I, I, I think it's really important, especially as you think about just delivering great outcomes, you need diverse thought to really reach a consensus that creates the most value. I like it, man. And I think that example you gave is good because I, with this program and in my personal life, I think about how to communicate the importance of, as you said earlier, pulling people up, you know, coming from a position of privilege where I sit and I try to quantify it or kind of motivate people to see the value in it. And I think like you said, you know, if, if there's a, a market segment that is growing as far as population in the country and you want to get their business, you know, if you don't have anyone internally who can relate to that group and be able to communicate to them, market to them, have their attention in a way that works, then you're not going to, you're not going to get that slice of the pie. And it's one of, it's one of the inherent challenges. And I think bias is programmed in a lot of people is, is you naturally resonate with people who, who look and speak like you. So it, it just naturally creates an extra obstacle that, that we must be mindful of, talk about and, and, and hopefully overcome to, to reach more diverse outcomes. Mm-hmm. So with that too, and kind of like company profiles comes as a candidate looking at organizations. So I'm sure you get bombarded with. Uh, interview requests and, you know, thinking about future career moves. So for the leaders out there who do run organizations, for the executives out there listening who are looking to, you know, I'm air quoting here, but like, you know, attract and retrain top talent, you know, from your perspective, what are those organizational characteristics that you value and are on your short list with, you know, as a candidate? So it's funny. So I actually sell employee experience software. So we're talking about the human experience, um, the employee, what's going on in the hearts and minds of them, why they stay at organizations, why they decide to join organizations. And and I, I actually sell to HR and people leaders every day. So I feel like I have a unique perspective into this world. And I think it starts with the company's culture. And I, I know that that word culture is thrown around a lot, but what does culture actually mean? And I distill that down to the actual values that the company lives and stands for and has been built upon. Personally, at my company, we have values that that we refer to as tacos, which basically <laughs> stands for transparency, all in, customer obsessed. Um, and I won't go down the whole list, but it, it's something that we are trained on early on. And that is, we are very mindful to to understand the candidate's perspective and how their past experience may or may not make them a good fit for the organization. I think the best hiring processes aren't necessarily just on aptitude, background credentials, but it's also culture fit because you don't want to bring in people that are not a good fit for the culture. You want to bring in people that really resonate with the fact that we are customer obsessed or that we are all in, that we are transparent. And you need people that embody these traits inherently so that there's natural cohesion amongst all the employees. So I really think the culture is represented in the actual values that is instilled in the people. And one of the challenges organizations face is that as they grow and scale and bring on more people, you start to slowly inch away from what initially built the company. And Mm -hmm. all of these companies that turn into the unicorns, quote unquote, they have great products, they have product market fit, they have a smart team behind them. 
but it's those companies that can retain the culture truly are those that can continue to produce the best results in the marketplace. Because I, I really think that, that that is what differentiates a lot of the companies because all pe- people are people, but it's how are the people conditioned and really what are those those behavioral norms of, hey, we will embody being scrappy. That is one of our core tenets, getting scrappy. So it's finding a way to make things happen. And and I, I so I, I really think it starts with the values. And then that that is, of course, set by the executives and continuously reinforcing that message. And then, and then I think that there's a lot of organizations can do to create inclusion as we think about different groups within organizations. So we have what's called Q groups. So basically, um, for, for military, for underrepresented minorities, just a, a Q group for every possible person that, that may have a unique situation or viewpoint that they want to associate with other people that also embody that. And by the leadership really, promoting that and saying, we welcome that. We want that. We want that diverse perspective. Um, I, I think that that's really important. That's what creates that environment. And that's what actually attracts top talent because in today's day and age, th- that, that's what people want. They don't want to just be told by some financial institution, hey, wear your, your suit with your, your green tie and uh, show up at eight and leave at five. It's, it's, you want to empower people and it starts with allowing them to, to believe what they want, but also creating that environment that, 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 promotes diverse thoughts for sure so part of that is as far as evaluating would be knowing oneself and you know to to be able to say actually this organization is a good fit for me or it's not and this applies to other areas of life too as far as friend groups hobbies relating to family and i've heard you also speak in your content about self-awareness and self-development in the form of other podcast books educational pieces. So a lot of men may not have thought about self-development in a serious way or kind of approached the mindfulness world or thought about, am I being a considerate family member, partner, sibling, child? So how would you, you know, if you do like a soft sell to men out there who had never kind of considered self-development, why does it matter? How would you approach that conversation? It starts with asking yourself, what do you want? And that that's the, that's the first question because oftentimes people are living their lives and, and just going through the motions, doing their things, showing up for work. And I, I was like that for a long time. I mean, I, I grew up in, um, I would say, an upper middle class family. During the summers, I would mow lawns. I babysat. I was nothing. Spe- I would. I played a lot of video games. I wasted a lot of time, and I was just, because I had no <laughs> goals. I wasn't thinking about what I want. What do I want to do in the future? It wasn't until I happened to stumble my way in college around some other like-minded guys that were smarter than me, that were driven, and that that just thought about life in a whole different way that I I never knew. And as soon as I said that, I said, "That's really cool." And then that started to open my eyes to my potential and what I could become. And I, I believe we all have infinite potential. We can have as much or as little as we want in life. So it, it starts with looking yourself in the mirror and, and taking some quiet time and saying, what do I truly want? And if you just want to live a normal life, then it's completely okay to come home, open a beer, sit on the couch, watch TV, whatever. It really it really doesn't matter. Uh, but those who have lofty goals and are aspirational, and you see it being in the Bay Area, it's important to be a lifelong learner. And the only reason why you wouldn't achieve your wildest goals or dreams is because you don't have the right information or the learning. Because if everyone, if anyone who has ever accomplished what you want looks like you and you've seen it, it it's possible to be done. And you can learn anything 
to do that in a book or somewhere online. All the information you need to do accomplish anything in life is available online. So it just comes down to you taking the initiative to say, I'm going to get better. I'm going to keep learning. And that's what I see in my career is everyone has the raw potential. Um, some people are, are, are more driven than others. And that, that plays into the what you want piece. But it's those who outlearn and become a learning machine are really those who achieve great things because it's not like everyone's just programmed, but this is exactly how you do it. It's seeking out that information and those different perspectives and saying, what do I resonate with? What, what, is, what do I believe the truth is? And it's not just listening to you talk or me talk and saying, oh, that, that's, that's it. It's bringing in diverse perspectives and viewpoints and then synthesizing it and then thinking about what do I believe to be true? What do I want? What do I need to do? And I think that, that that's helped me greatly accelerate my income is by focusing on, okay, this is my goal, my, my objective. Where are my gaps, my talent gaps that I need to go fill with information? And I can go listen to somebody. I can go set up time with someone. I can go watch a YouTube video. I can listen to a podcast. And there's there's so much information out there. So a lot of it's noise. And you can hear me say one thing. You can hear somebody else say another thing. And then you say, well, I don't know what to do. So you got to be very careful with the information you consume because I, I think it starts to subconsciously arise and you say, okay, I listen to that. And then it kind of impacts your mood. So I I'm very mindful to listen to people that I admire, that I respect, that I would aspire to be one day and have done things that, that I consider impressive. And that's ultimately what I feel like a lot of guys are driven by is, is that status and prestige. And you find things that other people do that are impressive is because you're scared to do it yourself. So it's figuring out what information you need to then go accomplish what you want to do in this life. What are the pros and cons of being driven by status and prestige? So, so let me preface. So, um, I, I believe my motivation comes from an internal desire to maximize my potential. And and I think that may be driven from a survival thing. I'm not exactly sure, but I started to research it. I said, what, what do guys want? Because I was trying to figure out how do I improve my content market fit? What, what do guys want? I realized guys don't actually care about my sales. I'll get to the pros and cons in a minute, but I, I do. I went through this loop and I said, guys don't actually care about my sales training. They care about my sales training because it will improve their performance at work. What will that mean for their life? Okay, they'll make more money. As a result of making more money, okay, they will be a higher status individual. They will have access to more contested resources, better mating partners. And, and that's inherently how we are evolutionary driven. So mm-hmm. I need to help people be more successful to reach those outcomes that they care about. So I believe I am programmed in a unique way to maximize my potential. And in order to do that, I sacrifice a lot to focus on self-development and working hard. And and I, I feel like in life, in your 20s especially, you have your work, you have your health, and you have your relationships. And I'm completely over-indexed on work at this point. I, I care about health, but relationships definitely lack because I disproportionately prioritize my time on the success and work, which comes with the accolations, the recognition, just a little bit more money than, than other people. Uh, but the cons of it is, is really the relationships, which, which is something that I am actively working on to improve. So, so it's a trade-off with anything in life. And, and I feel like I'm willing to accept that to try and get ahead because for some reason, I, I care about what the future Trent will think of him, what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dude, well, you're aware of it, and I think that's what matters. It's I feel like it's such a more powerful position, and, and 
not powerful in the sense of like traditional masculine power, but just having ownership of one's own life to, you know, at least you can, you can pin down and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing this for these reasons and we'll see how it plays out, you know, but at least you know what you're doing and you're intentional about it compared to, I feel like the, the disillusioned masses who are, or who are not aware or thinking or caring enough about their own lives to try. The reality is a lot of people, I don't like to characterize it like this, but I will. It's, it's a lot of people are sheep. A lot of people just listen to the tabloids, the news, what, whatever it is. They get this information and it may or may not be the right information for them, but they don't think for themselves. And I think that that's something that, that that's missing a lot is independent thought, number one. And two, it's believing that you control your destiny no matter what. If I say this is what I'm going to go do, I will go find a way to go do it. I will go get the information. I will talk to the people. I will make the ask. I will do, do whatever it is. And, and, and naturally, as a byproduct, you start to take more control of your mind and say, okay, I choose how I respond in any circumstance. I can decide to be more positive. I can decide how I treat to people. And you control what's in your control. And I think a lot of people go through life blaming victims, circumstance. And I'm here to tell you that nobody is coming to save you. Nobody is waking up every morning saying, I'm trying to make Trent's life great. It's up to me to make my life great and to take the action, to set the goals, to go get the self-development. And that's the only way to make it happen if you truly want to go make great things happen. But if you want to live an average, ordinary existence, then you can let life happen to you. And that's what millions of people do. And it's completely okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of the uh, the beauty of it all, you know? And in the end, what does it even matter? Yeah, it doesn't really. <laughs> I, I think one, th- one thing to add a little bit more to that, I feel like a lot of it, that I've been thinking about recently is um, how you live in your 20s, I, I really think will impact and correlate to the life you were able to live in your 30s and 40s is we think about lifestyle. So where do you want to live from a zip code standpoint? What state? If you want to live in the Bay Area, you don't, you, you it, it's, it's challenging. You can't just have an hourly job and, and live. A, you'd, it's, it's Even if you make a lot of money, you're still like lower middle class in some areas. I mean, it's so expensive. It's so impossible to you, buy a house, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what they say. And I have a friend who just moved to Denver. He makes a lot of money. He's like, dude, like he moved with his girlfriend like a year and a half ago. He's like, I, I really want a house, but I don't think we can afford it. And it's solely a money thing. And then I said, I'd like to live on the beach in San Diego. Like that to me would be like a dream, but it always seemed out of reach growing up in Ohio. And you see medium home price, Mm -hmm. a million, two million. The only reason why you wouldn't live in the best areas is because you say, oh, money, taxes too high. But what if you made a lot of money? Then it's not a problem. Then why wouldn't you go live in the best areas? So <laughs> it, it's all it's all lifestyle. It's all about what you want. And if you want to live, if you want to live at a high level and live life on your terms, you, inf- you unfortunately need money to do that. Economics binds us all together. So how you live now, and especially the habits you build, will correlate to the people you are surrounded by, the quality of life you live, and, and, and I, I think that that that's really what counts. It's all about elevating the survival. Yeah, man. I do want to bring you back to um, thinking about kind of like future forward, future Trent, you know, executive Trent, because uh, in addition to the diversity of identity and thought, I feel like there's uh, gender diversity too. And sales is, is a, I couldn't find great data on it, but from my experience in sales, at least it's not a, a balanced um, gender representation. And, and I don't think that all industries need to be balanced in that, you know, the, the genders, the sexes are 
perfectly balanced and created for functions equally. You know, I'm, that's not my angle. But I, for I care about how I conduct myself at work and in life by trying to make everyone feel safe and keeping in mind that one in three women, for example, are or have been the victims of sexual violence or, or unwanted sexual advances. You know, and that's a reality that I feel like as men we don't want to acknowledge, but that reality comes with us to the workplace. So for you and thinking about, you know, how you operate day to day right now and also, you know, future Trent in, in the leadership position, you know, how do you approach that, that reality uh, in, in kind of how you conduct yourself? Some of the most successful salespeople I know at my company are women. <clears throat> my leader is a female. Um, and and I, I think that men and women complement one another. There's inherently there <clears throat> inherently there's there's natural skills that are that are programmed that that women do better than males and males do better than women. So I you're right. As I look at my company, there there certainly is a skew towards male opposed to female. And I, I'm not I, I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I think some of the most talented people are females. I, I think everyone can make it to the top. I, I think there needs to be that. Um, it needs to be equitable from a process standpoint. And I think that that's especially important to companies. And And one of the reasons why a lot of people leave is because they feel like they don't have that upward trajectory, the glass ceiling thing. Um, and, and you need to understand what you need to do to get to the next level. So I think it needs to be very clearly defined and if you do this, then you promote. And that's how it is at my company. It's, it's very black and white. So whether you're male, female, whatever, if you hit this number, you promote. So I think equitable process is moving up where it's not a subjective board type thing. I think that's really important. Um, but I think it's recognizing that, that hey, men and women are both great. Women bring a lot to the table and they should be in the workplace. Their ideas should be celebrated along with males. Um, and I, th- I think anything we can do to just it purely should be meritocracy. The best idea should always rise to the top. And um, th- th- that's personally my, my thought on it right now. Nice, man. Yeah, yeah. I like the meritocracy idea. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And I think it's just important conversations to have because, you know, thinking about like the future, you know, the reality is unless we have some kind of precipitous fall from grace or, you know, commit fraud, <laughs> you know, we're going to be in leadership <laughs> positions, you know, hopefully, you know, in- inshallah in the future. Right. So, you know, it's a good thing to think about and, and it's the kind of conversation I want to promote. So I also want to jump back to, you mentioned a little bit previously, uh, taking feedback. And that's another thing I think that is important to promote because it can be hard for everyone to take feedback it, it, it evokes a emotional response, increased heart rate, tightness in the chest, sweaty palms. You know, sometimes when I get feedback, I get defensive, for example. So how do you approach feedback and how would you, how would you describe it to someone who gets very defensive easily, how they can have a, how can they change their mindset and look at it differently? Everyone gets defensive taking feedback. Um, but those who, who are, are intellectually curious will acknowledge that feedback is necessary to get better and for growth. <clears throat> and, 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 and an example I, I like to share is um, Ray Dalio. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He is the founder of the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, $160 billion in assets under management. And 
one of the key reasons he has attributed to his business success is this idea of one, idea meritocracy, and secondly, radical transparency. What they do at their company is they have these scorecards. Think of it as a, a baseball card with your statistics. They basically have a scorecard for your strengths and weaknesses. And it is it is as calculated, operationalized as possible. And you need to be willing to accept that where I lack here, I make up over here. And the only way to get better, I feel like, is by acknowledging what information do I need to get to that next level. And that that's how I've grown in my sales career because you start out, you just are I'm cold calling, generating pipeline, whatever. Which I don't, I won't get too technical with it, but I, I moved to what's called a closing role where I'm working deals. So it's a whole new skill set. With each promotion in your career, it, it will come an entirely new skill set. And in order to get paid more, you need to be more valuable in the marketplace, which means you need to bring more, you need to have a, a wider range of skills. So when you get told feedback, naturally you get defensive because you start to feel like you're under attack. You have the amygdala fight or flight and you feel like, oh, I am no longer liked by this person. And it, it triggers that I, anger, anger in a way. And and and, and really it, it, it hurts your ego. So feedback, feedback doesn't feel good, but you just need to remind yourself, look, this is really important. And I think it's also important to, 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 to be deliberate with taking feedback from people you respect, people that you look at their viewpoint and say, that, that is a viewpoint I trust and I know they have my best interest in mind. And I think that mm. that's an exercise people can do is reach out to their friends and say, hey, what do you know me for? What do you think I do well? What do you, th- what do you think I, I, I don't do well? Because, and, and I think that's a funny thing about content creation is when you put yourself out there, some of the comments I read, people recognize things about me that I didn't even know. So that mm-hmm. the whole introspection is, is super important. And something I do personally is I journal frequently. I write down my goals nice. and I just write down what's going on, what I'm thinking. And it's important as guys, like I, I think that's kind of one of the messages you stand for is, is, rec- is, is acknowledge how you are feeling and saying, okay, what's going on today? Um, what am I feeling good about? What am I not feeling good about? And, and feedback plays into that whole role. It's almost self-feedback um, for yourself. Um, so feedback's important and I, I think everyone knows that. So it's just, how can you get more of it? Because the faster you learn, the faster you get better, the faster you're going to get the results you want. I love it, man. Well said. Love to hear that you journal. I, I, I like to meditate. I do a breathing exercise. It's dope. How long, how I, long do you go for? I, I love it. It's about 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> is, is it, is it quiet? Is it a uh, guided or do you do just quiet? Quiet. No, I took a I took a course. There's an organization. You want to check it out? It's called the Art of Living. <laughs> I'm there. Like that's my like. Uh, uh, it's not a cult at all, but it's like you know, if I were to have a cult that I promote on here, it's the Art of Living. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like a, a a repeat uh, process. You learn it. You go to a retreat and learn it. And you can do it at home. Um, yeah, man, I love that. And. One more question before we get to the the rapid fire and the and the discussion game. So a lot of you know your mindset and your framework of how you're approaching life in this moment is with the end goal of having, you know, call it financial freedom or just enough money to be able to do what you want. You know, you don't want to be burdened by worries about money or be limited because of resources financially. And that's another topic that I feel we don't get a lot of education on in this country is, you know, financial goals, financial literacy. So for someone who's never taken a serious look at, maybe they're just, you know, they get their money, they come in, 
they spend some on beer, they spend some on pizza. They have usually this much left over at the end of the month, and they, that's kind of all they think about it. You know how how would you how would you coach someone up on approaching personal finances who has never considered it? Money in and of itself should not be the end goal. Anytime you set a goal solely based on money, it's almost like a ball and chain, and it, it's it's a one way ticket to to unhappiness mm. because desire is suffering and. As you desire over these goals, you are naturally going to have to suffer for it. So money in and of itself is not necessarily worth it. I was raised believing that you can have as much or as little as you want in life. My dad came from very, very humble beginnings on the Ohio River. He he built a business. So I, I feel super fortunate that I came from an environment of I mean, it's it's a it's a three employee company, so not not nothing crazy, but um, more of an <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit of yeah, we can create something. And he said, you always can have as much or as little as you want. And he always jokingly said, but he was also serious. He's like, you are going to have the jet one day. He's always like, you're going to have the D and D jet, uh, right. indicating private plane, which which is a lot of pressure. And I'm not saying that's necessarily my goal, but <laughs> me in my life is when I go to the airport. And I'm sitting there in the terminal and I look out the window and I see the private planes. It pisses me off a little bit. And I say, why am I not over there? I want to be on that plane. <laughs> you see people on Instagram, TikTok, all this stuff with all these things. And I don't want to say jealousy or comparison is good, but it should it should make you mad that you don't have those things. And that's one of the the, the, the things that drives me. I live in this apartment and I don't like it. I don't want to be here. And that mm-hmm. anger is what drives me to say, I cannot be complacent. So I mm-hmm. need to spend all my time getting better and striving to be better. And I, I think it's just that whole process of evolving, getting better is what I'm striving for. And and I think life, going back to the, just the basic survival, I want to elevate it and I want to live on my terms. And I want to have a lot of money to do that. And the more money you have, the more you're able to make an impact. You're able to allocate capital to ideas that you care about, to ultimately get get grow grow those things and i think the idea as i look at my company it's it's almost this machine that has provided me a life that i have all of my status built around and somebody built that from an idea so if i could have an idea that then provides other people livelihood i feel like that's one of the most no, noble things you can do and naturally it'll make you incredibly wealthy in the process so i just want to have a lot of money and um that that's what i'm striving for fuck yeah man do your thing dude i love it that's, I like that. Uh, it's really funny about the private uh, the private jets. It pisses me off, dude. I want to be on the private jet. <laughs> I'm sure you will be, man. I'm sure you will be. Awesome. Okay, so we'll do some questions, and then we'll get over to the conversation game. So uh, give me top three albums, Trent. Top three albums. So you you and your audience is not going to like this. I, I am a music <laughs> guy, but the thing I do is when I hear a song and I what like it. What does that mean, me and my I'll, audience? I'll like, what? What? Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like. Um, I I feel like if someone asks that question, they're naturally like a music fan. I a like music, person, music, okay, but yeah. I'm not like a like. I like songs. I will say, um, Kanye West. I think Dark Twisted Fantasy. I like yeah. that. That's one of the few I've saved. And that's the only album I, I could I could reference. Nice dude, hell yeah, Kanye's dope. He, yeah, yeah. His uh, his album Graduation, I love. Yeah, okay. no, they're uh, all good. Let's I like go, all, let's go. I like all music. I like all music. For sure, it's it's the the greatest gift to life to humanity. 
Okay, top three places you will travel to in your life that you're looking forward to. I'll I'll say the next three countries I want to go to. I'd like to go to Australia. I'd like to go to Japan. Hmm. And I'd like to go to it's not a country, it's a continent, Africa. For sure. I have been to none of those places, so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be sitting next to you on the private jet. <laughs> <laughs> In international. Okay, the top three books. This one I'm sure you, you have in the hopper. <laughs> How to Win Friends and Influence People. Principles by Ray Dalio. Hmm. I'll throw in Man's Search for Meaning. It's a little, it's a little different. Book. I, I, th- I think it's a good read as well. I love, yeah, that's a, if, a, a, such a cool premise, dude. Like a psychotherapist who survives the Holocaust and writes about it. It's like an incredible this premise, you know, like of like that that formulation of events happened and he managed to survive and write about it and then reflect on it. Yeah, that's a great book. It's a powerful message. For sure. Okay. Coming up next, Spark by Seek Discomfort. My longtime listeners now know the the previous game has been retired, the three things game. But now we have Spark by Seek Discomfort. These guys built a pretty cool brand and I I end up having it. So all right, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna volunteer you to go first, Trent. Here's your question. <laughs> What's a misconception people have about you? <sighs> so I make a lot of TikToks and I show the good and bad parts about my life. And <laughs> everyone thinks I am a robot that only cares about making cold calls and work and success. <laughs> to an extent, that's true. But I want pe- the people to know I am a real person. I have emotions. I care mm-hmm. about people. And we're just trying to live life. Hell yeah, man. Dude, you're on the Bronovo podcast, man, for sure. You're showing that. And thank Me you too. for sharing everything you shared. It, it takes courage. Oh, absolutely. It do I do I ask you a question now, or is this? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna pull one. So you're gonna answer the next one. Correct. Okay. 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 Jesus, here's my question: If I were to die right now, would I be satisfied with everything I accomplished in life? <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep question. Jesus. Would you? Would you? Know? Uh, yeah, I, I could die happy right now. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful place to be. Yeah, it's a it's a good spot, man. I mean, I th- I feel like like again looking back to the earlier parts of the conversation, like I'm a very privileged person. You know, I didn't I didn't have a very adverse childhood at all. I had the opposite of an adverse childhood. So, I think that where I am in life is reflective reflective of both you know, my own drive and motivation and discipline and also the opportunities afforded to me from a young age. So, but yeah, man, I think if I if I were to, to croak, uh, I think that I have given a lot of joy and been a good friend and a good family member, and I'm really motivated to continue to put out this message because I think it's really impactful and positive and will help people. So, yeah. Good for you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. Dude, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. So, thank you for the work you do. I really do... I can. I will full, full heartedly uh, endorse your content. I think that it's excellent for people who want to get into the sales career. 
There's a ton of amazing stuff. And where can people want do that if they want to learn from you? My name is Trent Dressel, D-R-E-S-S-E-L. You can find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, and TikTok. See you there. <laughs> Talking. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thomas. Have a good day.